And uh, welcome to the new season of the Undiscovered Decade. Uh, this is our second year going into this. We are now in 1991. This is a podcast and a video series that looks back at the 1990s. For us, at least so far, it's been an undiscovered decade because we were pretty young when these movies came out. So uh, we like to find some hidden gems that maybe either we never heard about or had overlooked when we started becoming cinephiles. And today we're looking at the most difficult month to find something of quality, uh, January, typically the death month uh, for cinema, because this is where they bury things after the Oscar season. Uh, so our episode today is Eve of Destruction. Uh, it starred Gregory Hines. And when Corey described it to us, it was basically Lady Terminator with Gregory Hines, like a ripoff of that. Yeah, he's not wrong. Yeah. Well, they sprinkle in a little uh, species in there as well. A little bit of it's species, a little, bit of a a little. The thing I said yeah. to you was uh, I appreciated that Terminator 3 didn't go the route that this film did, which was trying to make her a little bit of a sex pot, which is what species does, which right. also was after this. Yeah. But there's at least a motive in that. Yeah, those two films actually matter. <laughs> uh, I mean... They had a bigger budget too. Pretty much, the, the plot doesn't go much further than this. There's a, a scientist uh, named Eve, I'm forgetting her last name, Simmons. Eve And she, um, she's Simpson. a robot that is basically her. She's inserted her memories and feelings into it and it's gotten loose. You don't need to care why, it just kind of does. Yeah. And the only person that can take it down is Gregory Hines because he's a killer. And so these two military men get him, sign him up, and send him out in the field to try and stop her. And, and this robot is going down the path of some trauma that had happened in Eve's younger days. And that's it. And then he keeps chasing her, and then he gets to her, and there's a final showdown. So yeah, it's, it's amusing. One actor played two roles and got paid the same amount as Gregory oh. Hines. If not less, if not it less. was 1991. Uh, her name is Renee Sotendiek. I don't know how to say this because it is a Dutch name. I don't know if you'd heard of her before, Corey. Uh, she's been in a few uh, Paul Verhoeven movies, The Fourth Man and Spetters. Mm -hmm. I'd never heard of her, but she's she's a Natasha Hendrich I mean, type. Uh, I guess, you, I guess. You'd think uh, for a woman who got the show off her tatas, like she'd be more well known now. But, you know, she went, according to the Wikipedia, she went straight back to Dutch films and she's um, been working this whole time, but she's been back in the Netherlands. She's just in the uh, Suspiria remake, apparently. Yeah, that's like her first English language film in 30 years. Yeah. yeah. You could tell just from the debriefing at uh, the Pentagon or wherever there are that Gregory Hines is tuned out of this. This is a paycheck gig. Yeah, this is for sure. Every every scene he's in, you see in his eyes, he's like sci-fi paycheck, sci-fi paycheck. Yeah, sci sci paycheck. <laughs> There's one point they're at the, they go into the kitchen of this honky tonk bar, and she's trying to uh, do some exposition. He's like, "Get on with it, get on with it." <laughs> like it was getting close to his rap time. <laughs> yeah. It's like I got I got a line of coke to do. They yells yeah. at a teamster that walks in. He yells at me. He he knocks something down in that scene when he gets angry at the teamster, and I feel like he actually knocked it down and just like oh, fine. they didn't want to do this yeah. shot again. 
so yeah. you, can, you can see him just regret his decision as the movie goes on <laughs> like which works for the character because honestly he's the best part he's like every every black person who's ever like had to clean up the white scientist bullshit throughout the, the movie like in that Pentagon, everything he's like yeah. you didn't put an off switch on it you didn't do like yeah he, he asked the obvious questions right he he's even introduced with one of those cliche uh you think it's a mission but it turns out to be an exercise scenes right. there was a good scene yeah. too i wish it was actually a mission that would be a better way to introduce someone of his caliber yeah yeah like it's his caliber team. and they <laughs> and they use that team later then they then you know his team will back him up no matter what it's not a group of rookies i mean it's kind yeah. of funny that like you have this like this like secret agent type dude and he's training these military guys for like a uh what a hostage situation at, at the beginning of the movie Essentially, but then yeah. like you assume that they're like you know special operation forces but then you find out later in the movie they're marines yeah like he special. like he, they establish it like way later in the movie when they're ca- when they catch up with Eve for like a, what a second time or almost catch yeah, up. Yeah, they, ca- they catch up like, like three times. She she kills two of them. There's like two Marines down. I'm like, they were Marines, and not very. They're Navy SEALs. Yeah, yeah. Like you'd think, like, just kind of assume. Yeah, they probably use Marine as a catch-all military term. Just like yeah, like, they, I mean, they know Marines. It's, it's they're the, special. It's the '90s, so yeah. like I guess. Yeah, people didn't really look in and double check on that. Yeah, they were like this kind of thing, which is probably why they made. Uh, Charlie Sheen and Navy SEALs later. They're like, you know what? We need to make Yeah. <laughs> we need to make a proper special. Well, that was before movie. this. Yeah. Corey, Corey brought that up a couple months ago. Yeah. And it wasn't good, he said. Horrible. I I never seen it, and I know it's not good. The uh the motivation behind uh Eve's destruction is very muddled. I don't think she's given a clear uh objective. Yeah, no. Yeah, that's maybe the downfall of this movie. I like the idea of having created someone of a robot based on yourself, and then you have to take it down. That's fine, but then there's no real uh, yeah. problem other than she's also got a nuclear bomb inside yeah. her. Like they, which they, they, they neglect to tell Gregory Hines. A little too, like a little later in the movie. It's like they realized they didn't have a motive for her, and then they decided yeah, that she, she wasn't really much of a threat, other than like she's a rogue robot going around. around. Right, and then it's just like, oh my god, we could like there's something important that we should tell him, but I can't quite remember what it is until he's oh, wait, left there's the room a and is halfway to find her nuclear device inside of her. Right, <laughs> you know. Yeah. That you also know, it didn't I, necessarily make sense because she shot a bunch of places. They never really said where did they. Say she got it was? shot in the like in the kind of almost the gut. She got shot in the chest. Uh, that's really the only two spots that they established that she gets shot. Well, I remember. I don't remember them saying where it is because they say the heart's not really the heart, so she's not pumped with blood, but she has electricity going through. That's what powers her. And then they don't say where the nuclear bomb is, like. Wouldn't that be important? Like, obviously, they tell Gregory Hines the kill switch essentially is if you yeah. shoot her through the eyes. Yeah, like you can't shoot her anywhere else because it's not nothing happens. But like, if shoot, like I think that's where her core processor is, basically her brain. Yeah. Uh, it's like a zombie. So, yeah. Um, but then where's like, the nuclear bomb? Like, if he shoots yeah. her in the chest, will that blow her up? Because she's activated well, at one point because she gets hit 
Because well, the thing about nuclear bombs, it's like you you're you're basically forcing two atoms to go into each other to cause a chain reaction. So like if you shoot it, then like it does nothing. It's yeah. not it's a metaphor the- because both eaves are the atoms. So, like, oh. but also like you I know, got it. <laughs> if they if they if they really developed the writing for this movie, they could really like just up the whole like metaphor for the bomb being you know maybe we shouldn't uh, put it inside uh, someone. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> well, I mean the metaphor for like right. you know she's a woman and she's ha- has a lot of repressed emotions that's gonna just blow up so you're saying they shouldn't have had a lead scientist for a woman? i'm just saying they could have done a whole lot more to roll with it but they didn't it kind of just feels like they threw in the nuclear bomb in there just like well the cold war is like, over so like well they, they even in there to up the stay at some point America. they're like if this goes off who are we gonna blame they're like i don't know just name like the libyans or whoever's at the top of your shit list iranians some brown people like, yeah they also don't seem to care that eve then goes to new york city like as the real eve goes to help gregory hines take her fake person down she leaves her son with her ex-husband in New York, but doesn't warn them like there's a possibility you won't be safe. Yeah. Because she realizes it too late a little bit too. But like if you know there's a danger at all, like maybe stay away from metropolitan area. Yeah. Maybe make a maybe make say, a phone call when house. you're on a plane going yeah. to New York. Yeah, they trying to catch up with the robot. Yeah, they don't even try to tell him like go somewhere else because we know the robot's going to your house. They just stake the house out. Yeah. There, there, there's no logic to any there, there's, a, there's a lot of a lot of just plot holes yeah. i feel like this was like they spent all their money on gregory hines and the helicopter and they had way less time they spent the money on two helicopters and a blackbird yeah well three rides on the helicopter i was gonna say right. yeah. i mean there was two different helicopters because yeah, of different paint jobs which is bad. unless unless like they used one helicopter and painted it twice yeah, because the first one got caught in the electrical wires yeah, they, they, yeah they landed. They they got a guy that just got got out of flight school. It was like, so we're gonna need you to fly a helicopter for a B movie. It's the same one that was doing uh, Robert Downey's stunt work in Air America. You'll get to meet that awesome tap dancing guy. Oh man, we'll be doing tap dancing. Oh, uh, maybe we haven't finished the script yet. Yeah, <laughs> I wonder. That would have been the best climax. This is the interesting thing. We didn't really get to do any research on this because what we did this time was we tried to record as we watched uh, to see if we could do like some funny commentary like MS3TK style. Um, At least in the Wikipedia, there isn't any indication that there were any other actors for this. So I feel like Gregory Hines was their first and only choice, but Mm -hmm. or at least the first person that they asked. (laughs) Uh, Like an extended we go, but... I don't know. What else uh, did you guys think? Did you think I liked Renee uh, Eve Simmons? Yeah. How, how did you feel about her? I mean, she was a little. Well, her character was a little flat, and I don't mean her boobs. Uh... Are we definitely saw. Oh yeah, no, no. We're gonna, we're gonna, we might guff over that. This was for a, a cinema. That was probably sure. the most exciting thing about the movie. Is like you got to see boobs. Yeah, how much they were real, though, I don't know. Because there was a lot of prosthetic boobs, clearly, because they're peeling them off at one point. I mean, yeah, no. You got to see real boobs and fake boobs. Speaking of that, like, they really set the tone when they introduce her six-year-old son. Like, his first line in the movie is, those are tits, as he's booing. Oh, and drawn boobs! I'm like, really? (laughs) That was very odd. You know... Ah, 
I do have oh. one. James Belushi. <laughs> I was almost given this role. That he had actually might have been better. Oh no 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 no! You can't. Business. Gregory Hines yells at the movie for us. Yeah. Like, I don't think Jim. Or he scowls at it. There's a couple times where she's giving exposition and he just looks at her dead eyes. Literally, like, just like you did not think this through. Uh, there, there was actually a couple couple shots where his eye like went uh, would just start twitching, and I'm wondering if that's not because of like him acting, but him legitimately twitching at the situation that he's in. I do believe that a lot of his disbelief was not acting. <laughs> really, his process in his head was like, you wrote this? Okay. Yeah. This is the thing that someone this... wrote down and someone put money into an account to make this movie. Somehow okay. this had less effort in the screenwriting department than a canon film. And it felt like a canon film. I'm sorry, what? A canon film? Like, yeah, yeah like uh like missing in action or cobra mm. stuff like that okay why is it called the canon film i'm just trying to educate that's the uh the company name oh okay right got it i thought you meant like there was like a whole other series canon. of movies that oh no were canon of- yeah th- this was the almost non-canonical one no uh, but if they did if they made this uh like two years ago it would have been Bruce Willis in the Gregory Hines role. He would have been in two locations. There would have been a stunt double for all the action scenes. Yeah. And somehow he would have been even less enthusiastic with the dialogue. Yeah, I'm reading about this. Duncan Gibbons was the director. He yeah. was kind of a music video director. Uh, so mm-hmm. he only did a couple of films, and this is very interesting. He apparently died two years later in the oh, Shane? Yeah, right. Wow. in wildfires that spread across california oh, jesus christ um he had escaped initially but went back in to rescue his cat mm. he was found a couple days later the cat was alive but its ears were burned off the interesting thing is he did two other movies one called fire with fire and the other called third degree burn no wow that's a <laughs> Feel bad for the guy. That's unfortunate. Yeah, he was only forty-one. Uh, anyway, didn't uh, Vic Morrow do a movie called Helicopter Down? Oh my god! <laughs> oh, oh, uh, you'll find this interesting, Corey, uh, as a fan of the Halloween movie. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> who were the guys that played Mike Myers in the fourth one? Are in this one of the oh. uh, robbers? I believe the one that shoots at him is, according to this, or tries to shoot or shoots his, her um, watcher. And then her, and she kills him. In, in yeah. Uh, and then one of the patrolmen that stop her at the hotel. Uh, they're both two of the different. There's a couple of Mike Myers in the fourth one, just to like throw us off as audience members. Right. And uh, the two of them were in that together. So. Oh wow. I guess they were just like available for this as well. They're just stunned, man. I'm sure. Yeah, exactly. So they can take squibs and such. Yeah. Um. You said at the end you made a joke uh, about was it Frank Langella? You thought the guy looked like? As he does look like Frank Langella. I thought the same thing. Um, that guy was on JAG. He was the commander in chief of the area. His name's John M. Jackson. I haven't seen him in anything else, but he was on that show for like twelve years or however long mm-hmm. that show lasted. So uh, he that's pretty much what he jumped into after this because I believe that premieres in ninety two, ninety three. So. Mm-hmm. 
But it was the only time I've ever seen him have hair. So he usually is just completely bald or shaven. So there's a little bit of hair. It's just kind of funny because the climax of the film hinges on him walking through the apartment and trying to save the son. The hostage, I guess. Yeah. So. I think we were the hostage. And then the he unceremoniously just died in the elevator. The viewers were the hostage. Died. <laughs> I resisted <laughs> Stockholm Syndrome. I didn't fall for it. I feel like there's got to be a director's cut kicking around somewhere. We never got to it. Mm. That never got released. The Snyder cut of yeah, of destruction. Uh, so that kid, though, that we saw, uh, it was actually his first film, Ross Mallinger, who ended up being the kid from Sleepless in Seattle. So he was yeah. from that. His whole job in this film was just to wail as his. I was gonna say he whimpers pretty good in this. Yeah, no, that the 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 kid that the uh, that he plays, Timmy, right? It was Timmy, right? Every now and then, it was Jenny. It was like me. It's me. No, no, it's not me. Uh, but no, uh, that kid's got tinnitus. Yeah, and especially since the gunfires was going on in a subway, he's deaf for the rest of his life. Uh-huh. It's kind of funny. Not to um, mention being traumatized by the fact that, like, you know, the the the, yeah, his mom killed his mom. the climax of the movie was watching his mom kill his mom, and you know, just the sheer gore of his real mother stabbing a facsimile of his mother in the eye with a fire. Yeah, no, that, that kid's gonna have a lot of therapy. The therapist was like, so how did you feel about that? What? <laughs> right. Speak directly in the cochlear implant. Ooh. We didn't talk about uh, two of the other actors. Uh, they're the bumbling idiots that run the Pentagon. Uh, oh. One of which is Kurt Fuller, who we know from Ghostbusters. Yeah, Ghostbusters two. Oh, two, right, right. Um, yeah. Basically, this is his kind of role that he fits in so well. Like he means well, but he's kind of an asshole to you to make sure you get the job done. But he doesn't know any better, so he can't do it himself. He's a weasel. Or sometimes he just lean, he leans into the assholery because he knows what he's doing. Like we just yeah. watch them and. We only have 15 minutes till this bomb goes off. Why didn't we evacuate? Um, I can only push so many papers. It's just... I mean, I was, I was interested in this movie because a number of years ago I found a VHS copy of it at a yard sale. And I'm like, this looks ridiculous. Is Gregory Hines fighting an evil robot lady i need to watch this and then finally we had the opportunity to see what happens when your wishes get granted it went about as well as i expected (laughs) yeah um but what a way to ring in season two right what are you gonna do in january though like there's so many of these films there wasn't much else that we could have talked about there's a great movie we that we could have talked about we didn't know did you watch it this month i'm guessing i did yeah there's not much else we can say about this film i mean not really it's a b movie like jimmy said i um, like gregory hines because i like gregory hines already right he's pretty lethargic in the movie though he he's coasting I, through this definitely but he was even coasting he was still the best part of the movie yeah right by far what would you uh, give this? 
A D. Yeah, I give I give it a D too. Yeah, this is probably the D. Yeah, this is. Uh, I'm gonna go C plus. Like my my plus. Giving movies like it's almost positive. A minuses, A plus. Like this is my first D. Well, this is the thing we set out to do. We wanted to try and find a hidden gem, and we looked at this and we're like, what if people don't understand it? No, you understand it. It's a misunderstood (laughs) sleeper. Yeah. Um, but I mean, I, I love Sorry for dragging y'all into this. <laughs> this was it my vote this month. On yeah, Easter I mean, Sunday. It, it's a, I mean, it wasn't a terrible movie. It, yeah, it was. <laughs> yeah, it was. It was, it was, it was a passing it was a terrible movie. But, you know. I've seen a lot worse films. Well, yeah. yeah. Have Not in 1991 yet. Right. True. I'll have to look at my list, see if I saw anything worse. <laughs> anyway, you were going to say, um, what were some of the better films? That happened? Oh, okay. Uh, Once Around, hmm. a great film. Um, I hadn't seen it yet. It's uh, Lasse Hallstrom, who kind of specializes in those comedy dramas. Uh, it's about Holly Hunter. She's kind of a, she's in her 30s, but she's at kind of at that age where She's kind of being pressured into being married. So uh, she goes off to the Caribbean to uh, like learn uh, the real estate trade. And she meets uh, Richard Dreyfus, who's kind of this very abrasive businessman. They fall in love. They have like a May-December romance because he's a bit older. He comes back and meets her family, and that causes some friction amongst the members of the family. Uh, it's, a, it's a really good movie. Um I recommend everybody watch it. Uh, probably one of my favorite Richard Dreyfus roles. Wow. Yeah. Not What About Bob? Oh, we'll, we'll get to What About Bob. Wait for a couple months from now. We'll get okay. But uh, yeah, yeah. between that and What About Bob, he had a great year. Mm-hmm. Um, really good uh, uh, choice roles for Danny Aiello, too, and G- Gina Rollins, and Laura San Giacomo for uh, Just Shoot Me. And after Pretty Woman, yeah, flatline. It's good. It's one of those movies that balances dr- comedy and drama, where the comedy's funny and the dramatic stuff's real poignant, and it works together perfectly. That's a shame. We should have done that. Yeah. Damn it. Um, back down to the dredges. Ski School came out, which um, it's basically almost like a, a Cinemax sex comedy. It, they took uh, Dean Cameron from uh, summer school and tried to make him a lead. And uh, he doesn't have the charisma to hold the centerpiece. It does allow those... It, there's actually a lot of nudity in this for Jimmy. So he'll like that. Um, but the comedy is okay. just lame. Just I brought up boobs a lot this episode. We'll say though, the the uh, choreography of the the ski footage, phenomenal. Okay. <laughs> Not that you go to see a movie like this for that, but yeah. the the uh, the second unit stuff, very well done. Um, I'm interested in the first unit stuff, <laughs> the boob stuff, the boobs, right. <laughs> Uh, not without my daughter, with uh, Sally Field. Yeah, she plays a an American expat who's trying to move back to the United States from to get away from her abusive husband in Iran. 
I've never seen this, but from what I've heard, it's kind of a soap opera. I mm. have seen it. Uh, what did you think? I like Sally Field, and I already knew her from a couple of things at that point. I was I was still a kid when I saw it, but um, it's pretty maudlin. Yeah. It ends how you might expect it to, like everything works out for the best. Right. There's a lot of scenes of her trying to get away and like explaining why she deserves to be in a better place to her husband. Yeah. People trying to help her, and it's like, yeah, we'll get you there. It's it's fine. It's yeah. not bad. It's just kind of slow. Um, and if you've seen one of these, you've seen them all. I mean, at that point, nothing had really been done like this in a Middle Eastern setting, I guess. So it's kind of interesting, but. True. It's funny. Of- I had thought this was a TV film. I think it is. I think it's an HBO. Mm. Showtime original or something, because I saw it on one of those. Yeah. It's fine, though. I mean, if you like Sally Field, I think it's worth it. Okay. He is good, giving a good like an acting class on her kind of style. Yeah. So it's worth it for that reason. Same as like it was worth it for this, for us to see Gregory Hines as fans of his. Right. God, I wish we were watching Running Scared. I wish I came out in the 90s. Um, That's how I feel good. (laughs) um, Lionheart came out, which Mm -hmm. was uh, one of Jean-Claude Van Damme's fighting competition movies. He's done a few of those. Uh, this is another one where he plays like a legionnaire who after his brother gets uh, injured, he has to go into these underground fighting arenas in order to raise money for his family. Um, it's very nondescript and distinguishable from those other movies. Actually, speaking of maudlin, it gets pretty maudlin at times. Uh, Cadence, which is a, uh, a Martin Sheen-directed film with Charlie... And Ramon Estevez. So it's almost like a family affair. Uh, Charlie Sheen plays uh, this soldier who gets, who's pretty reckless, kind of, I guess, kind of playing off of Charlie Sheen's real life persona. Um, and he just been pulled over and yeah. for a DUI at that point. He, uh, he gets into a drunken brawl. He uh, gets, uh, <clears throat> he gets his knuckles tattooed. So he gets sent to the brig with a, uh, all african-american uh detainees and the guy running it is martin sheen and so they have a uh, a bit of a psychological tussle between the two of them it's interesting oh, how many movies they all do <laughs> with yeah emilio and charlie yeah uh, emilio and martin ramon and them yeah uh, interesting they like working with their family mm-hmm. even the family um, they also do have good chemistry because of that. So. Yeah. Uh, and uh, Lawrence Fishburne's in this, actually. Oh. I think he might have been credited as Larry. Which is mm-hmm. his old buddy from Apocalypse Now. Yeah. Do they have scenes together, Martin Sheen and Lawrence Fishburne? Yeah, that's right. Do th- do uh, they yeah, they have a few scenes. Okay. But um, the movie itself is uh, pretty much a procedural. It's not it's not anything good. Mm. Um, Flight of the Intruder, uh, John Milius film, which is a kind of a dad film in a way. Uh, but it meanders. There's no real central focal point for the movie. It's about the, uh, the A6 bombers mm-hmm. around the time of uh, Vietnam. Oh, those are the... Uh... 
I love those planes. Yeah. Yeah, those those uh yeah, those are uh A six Raiders. Yeah. Uh, and this is like a few years removed from Vietnam, so they're just doing like a lot of uh passer passing by, surveilling the area, and um, they even have that cliche where the one co-pilot gets shot. And it takes the movie, it takes the uh, main character forever to get over the morning of that. Um, one of the foes character almost could have been cut out of the movie entirely. It just goes off into a lot of subplots. It, John Millie's definitely has the nuts and bolts um, atmosphere of being in the military. He clearly knows what being in the infantry is like, but he doesn't tell a very cohesive, coherent linear story in the midst of that um men of respect came out it's a uh, it's a crime drama that's also a retelling of macbeth well that actually sounds like it could be interesting is yeah. it is it similar to king of new york or is it like that kind of crime drama but with macbeth i mean i like king of new york a lot better um, no, I'm just saying, like the the feel, the vibe, the vibe, yeah. No, oh. no, it um, it follows a template of Shakespeare pretty close. It doesn't have the dialogue. It actually, has a great cast. Um, the Macbeth character is John Turturro. Lady Macbeth is his oh. wife in real life, who's an actress. Uh, Rod Steiger plays the crime boss. Uh, Dennis Farina's in it as uh, one of his um consigliaries but um other than like kind of transposing a lot of the uh stuff from Macbeth into mobster lingo it really has nothing to offer too bad shame uh White Fang Uh, yeah Walt Disney's um Live action retelling of uh, <clears throat> who's the, who's the author? Um, Jack London. Yeah, and uh, Ethan Hawke uh, is the lead. Uh, he gets a, um, <clears throat> a notice from his his deceased father about inheritance during the gold rush, so he goes along the uh, Yucatan Peninsula to get there. Um, pretty rousing retelling of that uh there's a few there's a few times where it gets a little too uh precious with the disney stuff like when the uh when the wolf is a cub on its own sliding down slopes it plays that cutesy music and stuff like Uh, but um you're you're right it's it's interesting because it has it's dual um coming of age stories that uh intersect because you get to watch the wolf grow up and you get to watch uh, Ethan Hawke grow up and then they eventually intersect. It's a pretty good movie. Yeah, it looks it looks good. Had you yeah, ever seen this? I've seen it when I was a kid. Yeah. I, I, I know I, I liked it as a kid. I just hadn't seen it since. Yeah, I almost uh, suggest, I kind of suggested this, but you you two, Corey and Jeff, were kind of interested and needed to structure more just because of that VHS story. And yeah. I, you sold me on it, so... I'm fine seeing something new more than something we've kind of seen. Yeah. But I mean, but we should watch it again. Yeah, I wouldn't mind seeing it. It's on yeah. Disney Plus right now. You're I know that. So that's pretty much the end of that list. Um, until we get to uh, 
our favorite feature of the show, you're Poster welcome. Boy with Jeff. Yeah. yeah. Jeff, you're up. You ready for this? Ready. Jeff, you're on deck. You were, you were riveted by the... Uh... <laughs> the other features of the month. Yeah. Yes. Riveting. <laughs> Riveting. Okay. So if you don't mind for our listeners describing what is going on in this very busy poster. Okay. I left the people right. open so just got... because I don't mind who's in it. That's... Ah, you blurred out a couple of them. A yellow car with uh, seven people towering out of it, driving through what seems like a nice uh, lower Southern California bungalow. One of them looks like um, Borat, but is not Borat. Borat. Because this is years earlier. Uh, the car has a has a license plate that says Comfort One. Um, so this is leading me to believe that this is some sort of hotel comedy or hospitality. Mm. It almost looks like the Beverly uh, Hillbillies adventure. based on this. It, on it does. This looks, looks like, heavily like, photoshopped. Like the, hey, I'm the one who's guessing. It looks like the Cuban Hillbillies. That's what I'm saying. Because it looks like it's got a really nice car that's about... I, I, I don't know. I'm I'm trying to... It looks sunny, it looks enjoyable, and it looks like it was a box office flop. He's right about that. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> this was the best poster, speaking of which. So that's why it says at the bottom, now available on VHS and Laserdisc. It definitely was in theaters. Oh, but the poster disc. didn't have a lot of this or the catchphrase, which I can show you now. The catchphrase, a comedy about sex, money, and what people will do for a lot of both. <laughs> okay. So now we know that it's... Actually, we don't you know, know it's a comedy, about... but you uh, can tell by that zany comedy. lettering at the top. Yes, exactly. It is a hospitality com- comedy. I'm, I'm feeling like that font is going to end up being like the, the cool mm-hmm. runnings font. <laughs> <laughs> uh, yeah. Quite zany. Something... Uh, I'm I'm gonna just take. I, I I don't know. They're they're doing a lot of both, but what about too much? I'm gonna. Is it gonna be? I don't know. What is it like? Too much sex or something? Can you? I didn't do the best job. Oh, wow, you got two of the words right. You can kind of see the much, so I wasn't sure if you would be able to tell. It was either that or I thought it was like two nice guys. <laughs> two nice guys. Good guys in a bad situation. It's more like Andrea Martin and Leo Rossi are in it because those are the two that you did yeah. not wear out. So the blurring is uh, just I, because uh, I kept smudging and it just went into like that's Ralph Macchio in the middle. And well, just g- give me a hint as far as like is it is it well, no, you know what? No hints. Is, <laughs> is it gonna be like does it have to do with the plot or is it some like weird character name or I have no idea. Okay, we you, haven't watched you, this. You might know, Corey. I know the plot. This movie's almost impossible to find. Cabin on the Coast. <clears throat> it's a comedy horror movie. I mean, you mentioned it was very bright there, and then you did say there was too much of something. What do you think there's too very much bright. of? Too much. It's it's quite sunny, so I'm going to say too much sun. Wow! There he did it! Hey, I'm worried the blurring. Like, I was blurring it pretty well, and it wasn't really going away, so I wasn't sure. Could you tell that it was that? No. Okay. 
I honestly thought I saw I could tell the two, oh. but then everything else, I'm like, it looked like nasty or nacho right. or something. I tried to swirl too many nachos. Yeah. Swirled it up. The the word two is very difficult to smudge. So yeah. Yeah, I turns mean, out it's just you know. Ralph Macchio, Andrea Martin, and Leo Rossi. There's a reason why uh, RDJ's in this. Mm-hmm. If you look at the bottom of the poster. Wait a minute. Directed by Robert Downey. Senior. Senior. Yeah, I, I figured yeah. that. Uh, before Corey tells you the plot officially, do you want to take a jab at what this actually is about? I'm thinking just vacation comedy that there's some horrible mix up with some case of mistaken identity, a lot of stolen money being spent improperly, and most likely drugs. <laughs> okay. But I'm good with that. And it ends up accidentally being a prequel to the Golden Girls. What are you what are you telling? Golden them? Hotel. Um actually that the tagline really has not much to do with the plot. Um, the plot is about this millionaire who dies, and in his will, he says, um, whoever, whichever one of his two children uh, gives him a grandchild in a lot of amount of time will inherit all of his money. The catch is that his son's gay and his daughter's a lesbian. Classic 90s comedy. Hijinks ensue. Oh, boy. Not where I thought that was going. Yeah. Yeah. Not at all. I was expecting like knives out, but in Florida. Yeah. Uh, I had an idea, and then you totally blanked me with what it actually is. Sorry. Yeah. Yeah, that is nothing what I expect. Oh well. I don't think it was for any of the audience members either. But uh, yeah, this thing tanked horribly. Obviously. That's why I went to Laserdisc right away. Yeah. Guys, I actually wanted to watch this for the podcast just so I could get a sense of what it was like. But because um, I actually have never seen any Robert Downey Sr. movies. Mm. But uh, it's it's on streaming, but I'm not paying money to see it. And it's mm. hard to find a physical copy. So. It's not at your local library? No. So uh, I guess given that this is pretty much just a Terminator ripoff, all I was able to really think of for this uh we we all kind of chose this end point um what's your favorite rogue robot movie or where an ai is involved and it doesn't exactly go as planned mm. 2001 well the matrix is perfect 2001 yeah. is a good one because the matrix it goes rogue ai right. takes over the world and then rogue humans within the rogue AI. Yeah, they absorb Jeff into their program. Yeah, Jeff. As you yes, can see. Yes. For our listeners, his background is major. So. Yeah. Even, now it won't glitch. Yeah. <laughs> Your armor's going through it before. There you go. Short circuit. Oh, short circuit two. two. Uh, that's what I was going to yes, say. Yes, yes. It's the better of the two. He's right. Bless Steve Gutenberg. Trying to think because I just like the movie AI, but Haley Joel Osment doesn't really go off track. He's trying to yeah. be, it's a Pinocchio movie. 
Uh, he goes rogue. He leaves. Oh, there's also hackers. Hackers is go good, rogue. but like that's more right. that's more of a rogue computer virus. Yeah, that would, than it then, is AI. And if that's the case, I'd just go with war games, just because it's trying to oh. get. At... I'm trying oh, to think. Okay. There's another. Also, Ex Machina is really good. Oh yeah, I definitely go with Ex Machina. I love that. I I, I I would also back up the uh, Corey on uh, 2001 because like yeah. We saw that for the first time, or did I? Yeah, we saw. I, it for the first I had time seen it ago, yeah. once three years ago in theaters. Yeah, uh, they were doing uh, well, like a retrospective I, yeah. of Kubrick, and um, like I, re- I really yeah. thoroughly loved that movie. It's just like everything about it. Yeah, watching it again, I appreciated it more because that period of time I was falling asleep a lot, and that theater was maybe the warmest theater I've ever seen a movie in. So it very easily put me to sleep, especially yeah. when. It's- quiet towards the end and he's going through all his weird like trippy freak out scenes going through time oh yeah and i can Just... appreciate it more this time because like we were in our own living room the temperature control was good and then also like yeah. we were probably uh you know uh influenced by something you never know yeah <laughs> ex machina though great film Yeah, I guess that's that's pretty much it. Did yeah. you say did you say one, Jeff? Did you uh well you said X Machina? It's a short circuit too. Oh right. Yeah, I've seen it Johnny before. Five, man. I've seen the first short circuit. I never that's saw the first thing I ever saw what? Michael McKean in too. Oh first. yeah, you know you're right. That is the first thing I saw him in, so I think mine was Spinal Tap. I saw that pretty young. Mm. Oh no, I got a Rogue AI TV series Ooh. reboot. Oh yes. Reboot. Yeah. yeah. The Saturday morning cartoon. That's coming up soon, the isn't best. it? Is it like late nineties. No, no, no. That's like uh mid nineties. Actually. It was like yeah. 90, 94. Yeah, 94, 95. A couple years. And, uh, Beast Wars comes out uh like ninety six, ninety seven. Yeah, reboot's ninety four. September. Yeah. Cool. Well, yeah. Any nerds out there that remember reboot? Yeah. Not the reboot of reboot. Yeah, not the reboot. reboot. No, 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 no. That was like Kid Tron. Yeah. yeah. Terrible. So uh, this film started in California and ended up in New York, but uh, we're going to head back to the City of Angels next month for, uh, I'm not sure if it's a drama or more of a comedy. I assume with its star, we're going to be uh, hopefully a little bit of comedy. You know, Corey. I forget what we picked. LA story. Ah, yes. Is that more? It's, a, it's, it's, it's more whimsical comedy. Okay. Yeah. I'm a big fan of Steve Martin, so I'm looking forward to this. It's I'm a big of, fan of Whimsy. One of the big things that I've never seen of his. <laughs> I do love Whimsy. Uh, going to be a lot better than this. I, I think that's this yeah. is the goal we set for ourselves. <laughs> so uh, we'll see you next time, I guess. Uh, thanks for listening to us. Uh, deal with this film uh remember to rate subscribe review everything else we have our youtube channel and our uh, spotify if you're listening on there or itunes so hopefully by now i'll have finally gotten on the other ones but we'll see thanks again everyone